This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is U.S. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science. Bayer is helping farmers produce sustainably to protect the environment and feed a growing world. Health for all, hunger for none. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Illinois U.S. Senator Dick Durbin next. As a leader in the industry, we at Bayer have the opportunity and responsibility to help address the challenges around sustainability and ensure that we can all thrive while using our planet's resources in a sustainable way. Sustainability is an integral part of our operations, and we believe that farmers and agriculture can be a part of the solution to many of the planet's biggest challenges. Whether that's helping growers utilize new technologies to get more out of their land, or incentivizing carbon-smart practices such as strip-till or no-till and planting cover crops, we're committed to innovate, grow, and partner with farmers to help shape what's possible and further our vision of health for all, hunger for none. For more on Bayer's sustainability efforts, visit cropscience.bayer.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin has long since been a proponent of policy to address a changing climate. He continues to work for immigration reform for the nation, and he gives President Biden an A grade for his first 100 days in the White House. The first 100 days have been dramatically positive in addressing the pandemic, and of course that is a major factor in virtually all of our decisions. Uh, the situation inherited by President Biden, he had, uh, because of the work of the previous administration and others, uh, vaccines to work with, but no plan to distribute them across America. Uh, as he said last night in his uh, address to the joint session, uh, this was possibly the greatest logistical challenge the country has ever faced, and we have had dramatically positive results. So I think as a starting point, that's the most important priority, and he handled it very well. The American Jobs Plan has some much-needed infrastructure investments for ag and for rural America, but it's also got a big price tag. The pay-for has some increases in corporate taxes, and farmers are afraid about those taxes being levied on them, especially in estate taxes or capital gains. Should they fear the consequences of the pay-for here? First, let me talk about the dollars involved in this. If you look back in history, uh, any major undertaking by the federal government that is transformative in our economy is not on the cheap. You can't discount it and just uh, nibble at the edges. If we're serious, we make a commitment. President Eisenhower did with the interstate highway system. We need to do the same thing when it comes to uh, our infrastructure moving into the 21st century. Uh, and commitments to things that farmers would certainly appreciate. I was just thinking this morning, I wonder how many farmers are still alive who can remember the day when their farms were electrified. Uh, I can recall years ago speaking to uh, farmers who were up in age a little bit who remembered those days, perhaps in the 1940s, when it just everything changed overnight and electricity came to the farm. Uh, farmers became modern producers of food and fiber and the best in the world when it was all said and done. We made a commitment at that time for the government to lead in that effort, uh, and it paid off uh, very well. 
when Joe Biden talks about expanding the reach of broadband across America to rural areas, small towns, inner cities as well, I view it in the same context as bringing electricity to the farm. This is a, a must. We have to do it. We have to make the investment. So then thinking uh, about this uh, this area of taxes, though, if a husband and wife have spent their life building a farm with the goal of passing it to their children, and yet they are taxed at the point of their passing, or the stepped-up basis is taken away and they have to sell the farm uh, in order to pay the taxes, is that going to survive farms? Well, we're at the earliest stages of that conversation. And the president has said, and I think it's a, a genuine invitation, uh, to all members, Democrats and Republicans, if you have another way to pay for it, come see me. Uh, I don't think the debate is close to finished. I think it's just opened, uh, and it should be. And we ought to take into consideration just what you described. Uh, you know, when we have a family situation, as you, as you put it, uh, we have made concessions in the past when it came to federal state taxes. Uh, I think we ought to be looking at the reality of the impact of any tax changes on families and the plans they've made over generations. I don't know that we've had in history a president that mentioned cover crops uh, in a, an address to Congress, so it was <laughs> pleasant to hear agriculture as a part of his remarks. Senate Ag Chairwoman, as you said on the Ag Committee, Debbie Stabenow says a billion dollars, though, for conservation is woefully inadequate. Can you help to see that figure move higher? Well, I think we can, and we have in the past. We'll continue to. Uh, many times the president is in a negotiating position with Congress. Uh, he, he may ask for uh, lower appropriations for certain areas because he knows there's a healthy appetite among members of Congress to increase his request. Uh, and so I've been through this process many, many times, and it's far from over. The Senate Ag Committee, uh, again, as you said on, has approved the Growing Climate Solutions Act that brings USDA now into the fold of establishing the baseline for farm practices and carbon sequestration on farms. Do you approve of the language, or how would you amend the language? Well, let me tell you, Jeff, I, I, I think it's worth reflecting for a moment. Uh, I, I'm fortunate when we're not in the COVID-19 situation to have visitors come from Illinois out to Washington regularly. And farm groups uh, are, are always uh, welcome. And I've met with them personally, I think, every year that I've been in Congress. Uh, farm Bureau, Farmers Union, corn growers, soybean growers, uh, you know, many different groups come out here. Uh, it was about 10 or 15 years ago I started asking these groups, when they assembled, uh, one basic question. Do you believe that human activity has any impact on climate change, global warming, or the extreme weather events that we're witnessing? And I will tell you, when I first asked the question, not a single hand was raised. They didn't concede the starting point in this conversation, that what we do on this planet has something to do with what, this, what we're facing in challenges. Thank goodness that has changed, and it's changed dramatically, and I want to salute the organizations that I think are looking forward uh, and realizing things are changing. If climate is changing, so are the circumstances going to change for successful farming, and that has to be taken into consideration. And if we're going to do something about it to change human activity and avoid the perils of climate change and extreme weather, uh, how are we going to do it? One of the things that I'm so heartened by is that more and more farm organizations in Illinois are stepping up and saying, let's sit down and have this conversation. Is there something that I can do as a farmer, as a producer of food and fiber, uh, and the way I do it that will 
be positive and help us solve this problem of climate change and, in fact, put me in, in, in a bidding for at least compensation for doing the right thing. Uh, I, I'm in business, you know. I, Senator, Congressman, you may have the greatest ideas, but I've got to make it work on the balance sheet of my operation. That conversation is underway now, and it's as sincere and genuine and growing by the day. You have a number of companies that are already looking to or rewarding farmers for particular practices. My question for you in the in this beginning phase is how much should government be involved in this process? I mean, should it be involved to, to just establish the framework of a market, or should there be a carbon bank and, and rewarding farmers through government programs? There are two ways, to, well, there are three things we can do. First is nothing, and many members of Congress feel exactly that is the right thing to do. The departing president uh, really, I think, subscribes to that theory. It's not a problem. It's a hoax. Don't worry about it. I couldn't disagree more uh, with the former president in that position. But that's one approach. The second approach is, well, let's sit down with the EPA and write some regulations to straighten this mess out. Uh, I'm a little bit leery of that, and I think most farmers are, because when you have, I, I don't want to say this in a negative fashion, but when you have agency personnel in Washington doing these things, many times they are not in touch with reality. The third approach is one that is being uh, is growing in, uh, I guess, uh, interest uh, and subscription, and even by oil companies, and that is establishing a price for carbon, how much a ton for carbon. And if you come up with ways to reduce carbon, uh, you would be compensated in this system, and those who would uh, increase the amount of carbon would have to pay the amount that goes in, into the payment for those who uh, have shown some conservation uh, efforts. I like that. And so do the major oil companies, for goodness sakes. They are buying into this. I met with or I listened to them the other day on a Zoom call on this subject. So I think there's a way to do it. He, he, Jeff, here's what I think is the bottom line. I think many farmers in Illinois had discovered uh, wind power and uh, realized that sustainable, renewable sources of energy like wind would not only be good for the environment, but good for them personally. They put the windmills up, the wind turbines up on their farms, and they're receiving some money for that purpose, and it doesn't interfere with their farming. They are asking me, well, what, what more do you want to do here that moves us in that direction? And is it smart for me, not only from the viewpoint of helping the environment, but helping the bottom line of my farm? Members of the Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance have been calling for additional research funding to find new technologies to help farmers uh, with their sustainability effort. Now, you've introduced legislation with uh, Kansas Senator Moran to boost some research dollars. What are your goals? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I said this to the president directly, to the vice president as well. Uh, I would like for the United States to lead the world in research, period. And ag research is certainly high on the list. We've, we've seen a dramatic increase in profitability on farms because of research. If we committed as a nation in the major areas of research, medical research, research into energy, and other agricultural research, 5% real growth per year, I'm going to tell you things would happen. Dramatic improvements would happen. The president said as much last night in the joint session of Congress, and maybe I put the bug in his ear, but I hope he will pursue this. And I'll tell you, just for the record, the Chinese are. 
They're investing dramatic amounts of money in research to pass us by. I'll be darned if I'm going to let the stand by the side of the road and let the dust cover me as they, they go roaring past us. The United States can compete in research, and we should lead, and ag research is a viable part of this. Let's dip a toe into energy for a moment. Last week on this program, Indiana Senator Braun said he really felt like the president might be playing favorites with electric vehicles, that uh, renewable fuels like ethanol and soy biodiesel ought to also see infrastructure support. Is the president picking favorites? Well, I can tell you this. The favorites have been fossil fuels, oil and gas. They have enjoyed for decades, for generations, special tax treatment, even when they were profitable. We have just done that over and over again. Those of us who have been fighting for ethanol over the years know the uphill battle we've had against these oil companies over the years. Uh, and, and just staying alive was a major uh, challenge. We have, we've gone through with the previous president this small refinery waiver uh, charade, and I hope that comes to an end soon. Uh, and, and gives us uh, an opportunity to expand ethanol use. But let's look forward. We've got to f- develop fuels, sources of fuel, that uh, biofuels, for example, that are formulated in new ways that reduce the carbon impact of using the fuel. That's a reality. And there will come a point where more and more electrification is taking place. Just for fun this morning before this interview, I typed in uh, on my computer here in my office, John Deere electrification. You got to see what comes up. I think the farmers out there have seen it. it. It looks like something that may be futuristic, but it isn't. It's real. The electrification of equipment on the farm is a, a, a I think, an inevitable uh, result. It'll dramatically change farming, uh, but there's going to be opportunities as part of it. Uh, for instance, if, if you can put in solar panels on your farm, which end up uh, charging the batteries which are used in any electrification uh, vehicles uh, on the farm, uh, to me, that all fits together. Uh, we have to look at the reality of the challenge we face and be responsive to it. Is the electric grid ready for such an influx of cars and vehicles? I don't think it is in, in a number of respects, and President Biden has addressed that in one of his infrastructure bills. He said, well, that isn't highways, that isn't bridges. You're not talking about tunnels and trains and transit. He's talking about our electric grid, and, and, and he should. Uh, we need to modernize it into the 21st century. I think that's a solid in, uh, uh, investment in infrastructure and one that everyone should support. President Biden touched on immigration reform in his remarks to Congress. Is the 117th ready to take up this mantle, uh, especially with an agriculture flavor? Well, it's needed. And I can remember a farm group that came to see me, and a a lady who was running an orchard in southern Illinois told me, if I can't bring in migrant workers to pick this crop, I'm out of business. So, Senator, you decide. You either do something about immigration or I'm shutting down. And don't tell me to hire the kids in town. I can't even get one of them to be in the air-conditioned shed out by the highway that's selling the fruit. Uh, they're not interested. Well, I, I need these workers. And a woman chimed in as well. Well, listen, um, I have a dairy farm operation. been in my, my family for generations up in northwestern Illinois. But if I can't get migrant workers to come in and do the work, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm all in. These are very real. And the farm labor bill that passed out of the House 
with bipartisan support needs to be passed in the Senate. I'm working on it night and day on a bipartisan basis. It's time we did something about immigration in a thoughtful way. I need the farm community to speak out as, the, as these two farmers, uh, farm operations did when they visited my office. So is the close number uh, in the Senate and close number in the House, is that an environment where a bill like this could find bipartisan support? Well, you have to hope so, because in the Senate, it isn't a majority that rules. You need 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. I've taken immigration bills, one called the DREAM Act, to the floor of the Senate five times in the last 20 years, and I lost every time. Had a majority every time. Never could get 60 votes. So if you're talking about a farm labor amendment, uh, you've got to make sure that you have that kind of a majority in the Senate to make it work. I'm, I am positive and optimistic about it because the House did bring in a bipartisan roll call supporting it. What do you hope for with the Biden trade agenda, especially now with Ambassador Ty at the helm? Should we be thinking about CPTPP? Well, I can just tell you, I, trade is critically important to agriculture and critically important to America. We are not going to get rich doing one another's laundry in this country. We've got to produce goods and services that the world wants to buy, and we've done it over and over again. We can do it again. But I have to say, everybody says the same thing about it. I hope that we have fair trade agreements, so if some other country uh, is treating us badly and violating the law, uh, they they are held accountable for it on a timely basis. That, to me, is a key to it. Trade agreements, yes. Uh, fair trade agreements, yes. Enforcement of the rules of, of these trade agreements, absolutely, and in a timely fashion. I believe that we should be open to trade agreements that meet those criteria. What do you do with China? Well, it's tough. You know, some people here uh, listening to your show who have a good memory may think back 50 years ago, just 50 years ago, China was a backward nation with people wearing uniforms uh, that matched one another and taking bicycles around to go to work and uh, holding up a little red book of Chairman Mao's quotations and really shunning the world. Now look at them. They are a major competitor, America's number one competitor in the world in 50 years. And they've done it in a way that Americans would find repugnant, central government communist rule. But you have to give them credit. And sometimes they do things we don't appreciate uh, in terms of stealing our ideas and the like. But you have to give them credit. They are major competitors in the world. And we have got to outcompete them. But they have a plan for world economic domination. You think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. Eye contact leaders all over the world, South America, Central America, Africa, Asia, they all say the same thing. China is on the march. They're coming into our countries and trying to establish economic relationships, loaning us money, sending in Chinese to do architectural engineering work, road work, and to stay in our country. They don't leave. United States is not nearly as aggressive. We've got to be aggressive in our promotion of American products and American workers. The Senate may take up a child nutrition bill. What would you hope for in that language? I would hope we'd reach a point where we don't have the embarrassment of having children who don't have enough to eat in this country. And a lot of us who've been lucky in life and, and, and are well-fed think, well, that can't be true. In the United States of America in 2021, it is true. 
uh, and we've got to put that behind us. Uh, we've got to make sure that every child, every family has enough to eat. When people are lining up, uh, as we've seen it, as the president mentioned last night, in these long lines of cars waiting for a box of food, it tells me that they're facing a desperate situation, not of their creation. So let's make sure that food is available. We have the best in the world. We've got to make sure that Americans have first opportunity to, to receive this food uh, when they need it. I'll finish with this. I understand you had a chance to visit with Secretary Vilsack over the past week. Any highlights of that meeting? Well, he's back in the saddle again as head of the Department of Agriculture. I have a great deal of respect for him. I'm glad he's from uh, the heart of the Midwest. Uh, and, uh, of course, was governor of Iowa before he took on these positions in the cabinet. Uh, and he, he is thinking ahead, uh, first to get the department back into shape and to establish priorities and to work closely with members of Congress in both parties. Uh, I think he was the right man for the job, and uh, he has a, a full plate of uh, challenges ahead of him. But uh, I'm confident in his leadership. Senator, it's always great to have you on this program, Open Mic. We're glad you had the opportunity to, to be with us again. You know it is Open Mic, so, sir, today you have the last word. Last word is uh, thanks to the men and women of agriculture uh, in the state of Illinois. Uh, you made our state, and you make us proud every day. We lead the, not only the nation but the world in, uh, when it comes to agricultural production because of great farm families and great farm operations and the support of our government uh, that's there to make sure farming is uh, a, uh, a livelihood that many people can still pursue. We're going to continue to meet that obligation for future generations for the good of our nation. Our thanks to Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science. Bayer is helping farmers produce sustainably to protect the environment and feed a growing world. Learn more at cropscience.bayer.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.